a really good time to strip back what you're doing, do things that are genuine, um, do less things and do them really well. You don't have to cater for every single person in the market. Um, if you put out quality, then you will attract the right people. I'm Mark Invig and I am the co-owner of Blackboard Varsity. From Poly Studios, I'm Billy O'Donnell. This is Pivot. So, Mark, COVID-19 breaks out. Where were you when you first heard the news? Of the actual virus? Yes. Um, well, I guess here in the country, it was kind of a flippant thing for most people for a couple of weeks before I feel like it really took hold here. So... Um, I remember in the weeks leading up, there was a lot of talk about it and um, I think Aussies were kind of like being quite Aussie about it, like, she'd be right, mate. And um, and I think that, um, you know, obviously started to get serious when um, when restrictions and stuff started to come into, into place. Um, the one and a half square metre per person rule, I think that that was the Saturday. It was like announced on the Friday and... Um, I remember like rushing over to work on the Friday night to try and figure out what a table plan might look like and um, what kind of effect that was going to have on us um, from a sort of staffing perspective and uh, an operational point of view. Um, and we kind of got through that day on the Saturday and things weren't too bad. Um, the Sunday seemed to like really amp up overnight, like people's sort of emotional responses to the virus and what was going on in the country seemed to like literally like flip. I remember the Sunday was, we call it Black Sunday. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a great day um, from an operational point of view. There wasn't a lot of people around. We probably do like 50% of what we would normally do on a Sunday. And then obviously that night was when the PM came out and said that we were going into our form of lockdown and... Mm. Um, I just remember being gutted, just gutted for the whole hospitality industry. You know, it was, it was a tough night, real tough night. Yep. I'm going to read something that you posted. I think this was on the 22nd of March. So this might be that same Black Sunday. You said, from 12 p.m. tomorrow, we will no longer be able to trade as we have done so wonderfully for the past nine years. Even that front statement... There's a real farewell speech vibe about it. Did you genuinely contemplate maybe not opening for more than a year or two or forever? Well, there's a lot of emotion. Of, that was that Sunday. There was a lot of emotion um, kind of behind that. A lot of um, sort of forward thinking about what was coming in the next 24 hours mm. for the people who, you know, allow me to live the way that I do, for our business to operate the way that it does, for our customers to feel the way that that they feel. And um, I guess it felt like a bit of a farewell to that part of what we do, which is the biggest part of what we do, the staff and the customers and the effects that it was going to have on sort of our little community as a whole, that it kind of felt like a temporary goodbye i guess or mm. a changing of the the storm you know yep i want to dive into that part a little bit more because you said it's it was a farewell to that community and that's really what you sell 
is the community and that atmosphere. Can you expand on that a little bit more, what you mean by that? Um, I think that the community for us, like we, in operationally, I think as a business, I don't look at making a business. Uh, we look at making a community. I think it's the most important thing um, for a business like ours to do is to generate a community of, of families and extended families and you then all feel like you're part of the same family. Um, and it's kind of what's dragged us through probably COVID-19, you know. But I guess, like, the reaction at the time was you think about all the things inside our community that would no longer exist for a period of time, no bond uni for foreseeable future, all the businesses that had to close. It wasn't just about us being able to remain open and do takeaways. It's what that looked like mm. for all the people that we see on a daily basis and, and what they're going to do and, and what that's going to mean for us, you know? Yeah. Something else that stuck out to me was sort of the order of events that you guys relayed a lot of messaging. It was kind of staff first, then the community, and then blackboard what are we going to do about it so staff first how were those conversations those difficult conversations that you know I'm, I'm sure it's not the first time you've had to let someone go mm -hmm. but at such a large level how was that for you personally having to deal with that i probably didn't deal with it very well to be honest i think that um given the circumstances it's not like someone's underperforming or you know, you just, they just don't quite fit in because letting people go in, in that situation, well, it's difficult, it's justifiable because maybe they can't do certain days or their performance isn't good. So when it came to that Monday, um, letting people go, knowing that they couldn't go and get another job, that financially that they were going to struggle, that some of the, it meant some people had to go back to their own country, um, no, it was a tough day. I think anyone who was in Blackboard on that Monday probably saw me not coping overly well with with that process, you know. And um, I think that, you know, it's something that will probably stay with me for a good wee while before it sort of disappears, you know. Because yep. it's raw. It's mm. really raw. Yep. Yeah. Did you learn anything out of that if you were to do it again? Is that – I suppose there's no – right or easy way to do that now there's no easy way but um you know f f the people who um i could speak to face to face i did i went to a couple of people's houses and said hey like i'm sorry and you mm. know and and that helps you know people understand that you know at the end of the day you got to make sure that um there's something at the end of it that's that's going to be worthwhile and we're now in a position where um you know some of those people are coming back and some of them were, you know, headed on maternity leave and um, sort of finishing uni degrees. So there was, there was a proportion of our staff that were sort of in the process of making their way in other directions anyway. But the ones that we can pull back, are, you know, it's, they're coming. It's awesome. Another thing that stood out was you consistently said just throughout your messaging, if you're struggling, reach out to lifeline or beyond blue yeah now that's i didn't see anyone else do that yeah. but i love that you guys did that why did you choose to do that 
and maybe speak into just the severity of the emotions for yourself personally and for the people around you, what they were experiencing? Um, I think that Beyond Blue, um, sort of those organisations, haven't been in hospitality for the best part of 20 years. You get to see the full effect of mental health issues. I think that we're an industry that's sort of rife with mental health issues for whatever reason you know i think that long um, hours long hours you know it's 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 a difficult industry it's not an industry i think and and especially you know people in their mid-20s sort of heading into 30s hospitality can take their lives in directions that they don't necessarily want to go in you know drug use alcohol abuse people's families um you know break up because of long hours like you say and um, employ other employers you know they can they can sort of take advantage and and not give people you know what they're entitled to but also I think that um, I think that it's just a fragile it's a fragile industry super fragile industry and I guess that over the last five years that seems to have got worse and worse and worse and I think that it, you know it's expanded outside of my industry I see it in my cu- in customers I mm-hmm. you know and we engage in the in those conversations with our customers because that's what we're about. You know, we want to build a community and, and it's a two-way street. We care about the people who are sat in the cafe. We care about our customers. So I think that for me, it's a really important message to push out there. Like, I guess um, it's something that I've been probably more aware of. We had twins um, that were born at 28 weeks. So that was a mm. that was a big struggle. Like they were in hospital for like three months and. When they came home, one of them was on oxygen and they were on feeding tubes. And it took us probably about 12 months to kind of unwind that prematurity mm. um, stage in our life. And I remember by the time they were like one and a half, it was Christmas probably last year. And I was just done. I was just like cooked, you know. Like I ended up going and speaking to someone and, and you know, then got back into sort of exercising and, and pulled myself back together. But it's something that, um, you know, I'd never experienced before. Mm bit of probably post-traumatic stress and stuff like that, that um, when you sort of go through it or you have a better understanding of it, you realise how important it is and you realise how many people just don't speak about it. So just having a simple message where it's, hey, if you're struggling, go talk to someone, I think. You know, it's... it's Far out. That's awesome. In the position you're in now Mm -hmm. as an industry leader... With all that in mind, what would you say to other restaurant owners about how to manage that mental health climate and the culture that they create within the hospitality industry? Yeah, I, th- I, I, I think that, um, you know, the fundamentals of how people want to operate is something that comes from within, within them. I think that for me it's easy to see it because I'm – active in my business like I work there five days a week I ask people how they are and not just like hey how you going like I actually ask them like how are you going um so I think that for other people in any industry in any business that they should be engaged with their staff on an emotional level as well as you know on a, on a business level and I think that for a lot of people like they see that as an inconvenience. They see it like they don't want to bring other people's problems into their business. You know, you hear it all the time. Like, if you're here, leave your stuff in the locker and get mm. on with your job and then do it. But having people who 
know that you care about them, regardless of whether they stay or go, it stays with them for a long time. I still mm. have ex-employees that call me and they just want to have a chat. You know, oh, this happened in my life or that happened in my life. And something that I've learned over time, like, you know, if I go back seven years, I was yeah. a different. I operated differently than I do today. I guess a bit of age, having kids, a bit more life experience, a bit more understanding of what life looks like, you know? Awesome. So we've kind of dealt with the emotional side of things. Going now into the more practical as a business owner, you go, right, what are we going to do about it? What pivots or little changes to your business model did you need to implement? Because I, I was only there a couple of weeks ago and there's a QR code and all this sort of stuff. I'm sure there would have been menu changes and packaging, going online, speaking to just the practical innovation. Well, I, it doesn't come naturally to me having to do QR codes and websites and stuff like that. I think um, if I strip it back before that, I think naturally um, as a human, I'm a problem solver. So I probably thrive the most in the face of adversity. Like it's something that I quite enjoy. Enjoy mm. kind of sounds a bit weird, but um, it's something that I probably thrive in. I, I, I like taking um, challenges and, and seeing where we can take them. I think that um, as far as like the COVID thing goes, I think understanding who we are as a business helped. I saw a lot of people... Um, doing stuff that just sort of becomes white noise. I think that they mm. just do stuff just to try and make a dollar here or just to try and make 50 bucks there or 100 bucks there. Yeah. And I think that um, that washes out pretty quickly. I think that for us, it was about like, who are we? What can we offer that's going to assist the community? Um, and we'll do little bits and pieces and then we'll keep doing our thing and, and help people along the way. So that first week... We did the free meals for hospitality staff. Yes. So um, we got Bolter on board and Pastry Emporium, um, made juices, Harvest Street, and they all donated some of their products too. But um, we put it out there. Anyone struggling, anyone just needs a meal, just to try and bring a bit of um, happiness to the industry, I guess, the people who are in it, whose week probably didn't go overly well so and um, that's kind of where we started we were I was really um you know mindful that doing nighttime meals wasn't going to be something that we did other than that because um I didn't want to take away from the restaurants mm. you know it's not our marketplace as a cafe we're not out there doing nighttime meals on the regular so by I guess it other cafes going out and doing like lots of nighttime meals, I kind of felt like they were taken away from the other side of our industry that's equally as important that need to be able to do their thing. It's not like um, restaurants were going out and saying we're going to do coffee, and, yeah, and and eggs, Benny. So no, I, love I was that. quite mindful of the industry as a whole of of where we wanted to put ourselves and what that looked like. You know, why do you think you have that <clears throat> ability to see? the hospitality in industry like that, but maybe others don't. Do you think they were just in more fear and acted out of that fear? Um, yeah, perhaps. I think that, like, I can only speak for sort of how we, we operate. And I guess um, during those, 
probably first four or five weeks of lockdown, we realised how strong our community was and how supportive they were. So I guess um, being able to operate at a level that was still good considering the circumstances, it allowed us to kind of refocus what we were doing and not have to worry about making a hundred bucks here or a hundred bucks there where I think for some business owners it would have been perhaps like a money grab like I saw some cafes turning their um, cafes into supermarkets almost and, um, and you know we did something similar the first week when old people couldn't get um, you know to the grocery store I just called a couple of suppliers and we put a list together and said hey if anyone wants any of this stuff like order it but that was just in our varsity community page like it wasn't out there for just anyone so yeah. and it was just made for those needy people so it's it's helping you know who you need to help without sort of taking your business to areas that you you don't normally yeah. sort of go in you know no for sure sticking to that core business model of what we do and you know we thought let's just make everyone happy that walks through the door let's have a good time Awesome. Make them forget about it. It's good. Yeah. So going back to sort of that innovation and maybe more so now the mm -hmm. things that you've had to change and going online, you, you mentioned that you're a problem problem solver and you like having your back against the wall. Yeah. Did you have to learn some new things yeah. and tell me what that was like? Yeah. So obviously, I mean, we're a business that's at a level where we can afford to have normally to have like a designer and people doing our website whereas obviously once you um, strip back your revenue streams you realize you have to do that stuff yourself so um, I uh, downloaded the Canva app and started to um, <laughs> design menus you're and now a graphic designer almost, the, Canva almost the graphic designer um, and you know like learning about spacing and and what goes on and um, you know QR codes for for the menu, which we went to a laminated menu because most people <laughs> just didn't want to um, read the menu off the telephone. Um, but we give it a crack and um, and then we did a QR form that we linked to the website so people could log in, which, which for us um, has been great and everyone's done it without, you know, any uproar or I don't want to give my personal details. Because it's not paper. I can't even look after my wallet, let alone, you know, 60 names on a piece of paper yeah. every day of the week. Um, so that just goes off to a, an email address that we set up and sits there. And if we don't need it, we don't need it. And then if we do, it's there. That's awesome. And then that QR code's now ended up on the menu. So we've gone from having like two QR codes on a table and a menu to now just it all being in one place. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely not something I'd done before. And I think the first the first day I was like feel myself getting hot and angry because I couldn't figure it out, you know. But um, it's actually quite simple once once you yeah. get into it. What would you say to other business owners that maybe took a bit longer to really grit their teeth and and try something new and learn something new? What would you say to them? Like, do they need to get uncomfortable? Was it healthy for you to sort of get to a spot where you're like, shit, I don't know how to do this, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, healthy, yeah, maybe healthy. I think that um, for us as a business, it was like everyone's in the same boat. So every single business out there has the same restrictions, has the same issues as each other. Um, for us, it was like every time we have the opportunity to, 
do something, let's do it. Because by not doing it, you're mm. selling yourself short. And I saw a lot of restaurants, a lot of cafes, well, we're not open until stage two, but you know, s- changing at stage one for us increased our business by 33% on what we were doing the week before. Which is huge. That's massive. It's huge. Yeah, yeah. That, and that then really is. Come this week, it'll probably grow another five to eight to ten percent. Okay. And then before we know it, we'll be back to normal. Okay, so you're saying innovation and acting quickly and early will lead to increases in profit. So would you say to other well, not necessarily yeah. yeah, increases in revenue, revenue. for sure. So for businesses that are maybe a bit more reserved and slow to react what would you say to them to encourage them i think that they have to first be comfortable with you know their business and and who they are i think that obviously human nature um in crises everyone reacts differently i think that that's kind of natural right is that the way that um some people you don't have to scroll through many news stories to realize that all the comments and the threads everyone's reacting completely differently to you know, restrictions. And, and so for us, it's about clear messaging. Like, we're here for you. And every time we have the opportunity, we're going to keep moving with you. Because at the end of the day, if you're a business and you are afraid to take that next step, your customers then are not going to take that next step with you. Mm. You know, so by having the same message constantly, it's like, we'll just keep growing together. We'll keep moving together and we'll get through it together. Yeah. And so y- your confidence nearly goes onto them yeah and vice versa you know and and all them all the customers today this morning they're all pumped you know tomorrow there can be 20 of us and then on friday there's going to be 40 of us and so on and so forth so it's a two-way street i think that um like i say community is what we focus on and it's that community focus that's dragging us through together and we're on a journey together it's not blackboard as a business it's not me personally um, you know, running Blackboard that makes these decisions. I think that um, having the ability to look from the outside in and say, what does my community want? And then just providing that and what the cafe needs, then that's what takes us yep. forward every day. You know, it's not mm. it's not my personal feelings. Like if, if my personal feelings strictly made every b- business decision, then we probably would have closed at some point and gone, oh, you know, like we shouldn't operate because it's not healthy or we, yeah, could, wow. we could risk someone because, you know, like my, my wife's family, the, her nan and granddad live like a couple of doors down and they're old and, you know, we worry about their health. And obviously, we, like I said, we have preemie babies at home that now they're almost three, but they're still like more easily infected, yep. you know they get sicker for longer so you you know i think about all those things and i have to put my emotional state aside and say what is my what is blackboard what does the community need and then make my decisions based on that you know far out that couldn't have been easy nah it's not easy but um but you know i've been making decisions like blackboard is a living breathing organism that needs stuff and you know you realize that my effect on that should not be my personal effect on it you know yep. it should be what it needs and not what i need so that's great yeah i think that's that's kind of why it it kind of makes it easier you think about it as the third person rather than yeah you know as just a business yeah for sure 
I want to talk about this word essential because it got peppered everywhere. Essential travel, essential items, essential workers. I feel for the hospitality industry, they sit in the middle ground where, yes, food is a primal essential need, but I suppose eating out and stuff like that maybe wasn't essential. How hard was it for you to communicate, do the right thing and stay home, but come and support local business? Because it was that grey area. I don't think we put any messages out in that context because of that grey area for sure. It was like we can't be seen to be pushing people into our business. Mm. Um, like I said earlier, like people's raw emotion was so different, like you say, towards should I go out, should I stay at home, what's essential, what's not essential. And I guess that that wasn't for us to decide. We just said, well, this is the platform that we have to work from um, and we're not going to tell people that they should come down or not come down and just let them make their own mind up. And it, and it became a point where I actually spoke to a friend of mine who was like actively posting on social media. I'm like, I, if I was you, I'd just be careful with the messages you're putting out because people might start to mm. change how they feel about your brand based on the messages that you're putting out. So we, we tread carefully around those areas. Um, is a cafe essential? I think that... Um, I feel like we're essential because I feel like we're more than just somewhere to go get a coffee. Yeah, um, for sure. So I know that we help people in a different way. We cheered them up when they were down. We, you yeah. know, we, we gave out free coffees and, you know, we, we have a regular that comes in who's been coming in since day one um, and their business was in the fitness industry and they had no income. And so every day you know, we'd give him a toasted sandwich. He'd come in every day and bought a coffee. Mm. No no income, nothing. So we just every day gave him something back. Wow. You know, because that his $5, I know that that's... He doesn't really have that $5. Yeah. But he wants to come down. Yep. Not just to support us, but to be part of our community. Yes. In a time that he struggles. That is fascinating. And I want to dive into that more because... I think as consumers, there was a period there where it was stock up on toilet paper, rice and beans, hold on to your pennies and really conserve everything. How important now for a brand, Blackboard, that is sort of a prestigious brand, that they hold on to that brand? and Because people buy into more than just a coffee mm -hmm. they are buying into that community mm -hmm. so speak to the importance of a really good brand um i think that if you're not a if you're not a if you don't have good values in your brand then you're ne you're never going to be a good brand but i think that you see and and it's conversations that i've had with um you know people at maybe the liquor store hey like what are people buying like are people buying cheaper alcohol because yes. times are tough or are they still buying their bolter or their stone and wood or yeah. what does that look like and he's like nah people are still buying the brands that they always bought see that's fascinating because from an essential perspective you would think that people would go 
four inch sculpt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't I can't afford to buy this. Yeah. So I'm gonna stop having speciality coffee. I'm gonna stop having craft beer. Yeah. But I think that speaks massively into branding. Yeah. If you tell a good enough story and if you have those values and if you have a community that people want to be a part of, yeah. price sensitivity doesn't exist. Nah. People or, are buying into you. Right? Yeah. It's authenticity. I think that you that's why it was important for us to carry on being authentic and being who we are and doing the things that we say we're going to do, even if it didn't make financial sense. Like, did it make financial sense to give food away? Of course it didn't. My accountant say, hey, stop giving food away. But it's worth more than $5 of a sandwich or it's worth more than a couple of coffees. Like, what you build is something that is long-lasting that people you know fully appreciate on a way deeper level than just the coffee or just the meal so now things are coming more back to normal if we are a more price sensitive culture is there a temptation for the blackboard brand to lower its prices to feel to appeal to the masses or do you hold on to that brand, you keep producing quality and the people will come? Um, we will always only put out what we believe in from a quality perspective. Um, I think that it's something I've spoke about in the past. Through COVID, we changed our menu regularly. So we had just a blackboard, obviously, before we had dine-in. Um, and that blackboard, we created dishes that were reflective of where we thought people were at at the time. So if we thought they needed to save a bit, like we just did a $16 food menu. So everything on that menu was $16 for mm. a couple of weeks before everything started to pick up and people started to go back to work. So we adjusted what we did, but we made dishes that were still quality, that were just cheaper. Um, where where I see it going next is um, do we do we ever go back to having menus with twenty five thing twenty five dishes? I, I I think probably not 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 in the near future. I think that um, we'll keep sort of ten to twelve meals on a menu, um, keep it super seasonal, and prices will reflect the dishes that we're doing. And I think that 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 price per item will change and there'll be a couple of options across the menu to cater for different people in different circumstances. Um, but I think the hospitality industry in a whole has dug itself a massive hole over the last 10 years where people have been making things cheaper and cheaper when they should be going, getting more expensive. And especially cafes as a whole have undersold themselves for 10 years at least. Well, it's a race to the bottom, isn't it? Because <coughs> eventually you just can't go any cheaper. Nah, it's a, it is a race to the bottom. But you look at, I always use the analogy, like 10 years ago in Australia, beer costs $3. To go and get a schooner, it was 3 bucks. A latte was $4 10 years ago. Today, a beer is 9 bucks and a latte is $4. Maybe $4.50. And so the coffee industry, cafes as a whole, have seen zero inflation mm. in their prices, really, for 10 years. Yep. And I guess that that's why, for a lot of operators, 
going through stuff like this is a struggle because the margins weren't there before. Wow. Weren't there before. Now they've reduced their trading by 40, 50%. It's just wiped away their margin. You chuck Uber Eats and, and people like that into it. And, you know, they'd be going backwards pretty quickly. So I think that it'd be really dangerous for cafes on the coast and around the country to, you know, even consider dropping prices. I think it'd be suicide. How important did social media become during this time? And when I say that, I mean the touch points where you say, this is our new menu, swipe up, call here, everything like that, making sure that was a smooth process. Uh, It's actually super important. I think that um, over the last um, probably 24 months, I felt like social media was kind of, getting harder and harder to be a part of. I think that, you know, engagement was dropping off as a whole. I think that people stopped clicking and liking things as much. And unless you're, like, deep into your insights, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, people aren't really as engaged. And I think that um, one thing it's done for us is it's definitely re-engaged, you know, people who come in on a daily basis and, mm. and allowing that... Um, people to swipe up and book it makes it so much easier than having to go outside of that click on a website then go somewhere else and then book you know the easier that it makes it the easier it was so um, I think social media played a big part in those early days telling those stories sort of guiding people of of where we were going and and you know allowing them to be a part of it um so yeah I think that um I think it's been good it's good. Yeah. So to wrap up, I'd love if you would just speak to restaurant owners about where you think the hospitality industry is going and what innovations or changes or things they should be thinking about. I know you mentioned smaller menus, super seasonal pricing, what you do with that, go for it. Um, I think that for everyone out there um, who is in the hospitality industry, I think it's a really good time to strip back what you're doing do things that are genuine um do less things and do them really well you don't have to cater for every single person in the market um if you put out quality then you will attract the right people if you send the messages um of genuine authenticity in what you're doing you will you will get a community behind you and i think that that building a community is the best thing that anyone can do for their business don't build a business build a community um, that community will look after you, it will nourish you, it will feed, it'll help you grow, it'll, it'll just change your life. That's how I feel about it. That's awesome. changed my life. That was episode three of Pivot with Mark Kinvig. If you're in Varsity Lakes or on the Gold Coast, make sure you get down to Blackboard Varsity, unreal food and delicious coffee. If you enjoyed this show, I'd love it if you'd share it on social media. And also subscribe on Spotify or iTunes. If you have any ideas for guests that you'd like to listen to on Pivot, engage with us on social media at poly underscore studios, slide into our DMs and let us know who you want to hear. Thanks for listening.